I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. It's Transformational Thursday, everybody, and I'm so excited for our next guest today. We had such a beautiful conversation. It's definitely in my top five of my favorite interviews of the whole podcast because we talk about lots of spiritual stuff, and we went deep in this really important area. So I'm so excited to share our conversation with you today. I am speaking with the lovely Melaine Lee, who is the owner of Melaine Lee, Inc., and is a lifestyle architect and spiritual guide. As a woman of faith and spirituality, Melaine has dedicated her life's work to creating a world in which individuals' connection to the divine allows us each to accept healing, compassion, and love of self in order to recognize our oneness with each other and radically increase peace and love in the world. Hence, her program's Divine Rich, because that type of world is nothing but abundant. How does she do that? Well, really, you do it with her. She co-creates with every person she encounters, every stranger, every friend. And should you become a client, she will work with you uniquely to guide you in connecting with your higher power and surrendering into the flow and deliciousness of life in order to shine your light, speak your truth, and own your own magic. This means stronger relationships, successful businesses, and of course, more money. Through her own experience, strength, and hope, along with her studies in transformational workshops, energy work, spiritual work, and professional experience, she has cultivated earth-shattering, life-changing formulas to help people truly master their lives. I first connected with Melaine through an event that we're going to be talking briefly about on the podcast today um, called Divine Pleasure, which was a beautiful experience where she really gathered 25, 26 experts to talk about how we create more pleasure in our lives. And she's putting together her next event right now, actually, which is called The Money Revolution. And she's gathering a whole nother group of beautiful experts to talk about money and abundance and how to create that divine rich lifestyle. I'm going to put links to that in the show notes for you to check that out. It's starting April 1st. I would love for you to take part in that with me. She was telling me some of the people that she has brought on to talk about their expertise and money and abundance, and it is going to be amazing. So definitely check that out. And I'm just so excited to share our conversation with you today. I, I love this conversation for so many reasons, especially the spirituality piece. It's such a huge component to helping us create more joy and more love within ourselves and honor our soul. So without further ado, you guys, here is the lovely Malay. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everybody. I am so excited to have my next guest with me today. We first connected on this beautiful, beautiful series she put together called Divine Pleasure, which included 25 experts where we shared our top tips for how to create more pleasure in your life. And I had to have her come back and talk about joy and pleasure on the Enoughness Revolution because it just made sense. So, Malayne, I'm so excited that you're here with me today. I'm so excited to be here, Megan. It really is a pleasure. I love what you're doing and what you're creating. And I'm so excited to share some juicy tips on relishing in pleasure and joy and having fun in life. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You know, it's funny because 
all of us, we all have like this own personal journey of awakening to joy, awakening to pleasure, awakening to fun, permission for us to even have fun to begin with. (laughs) And I think that this is such a pivotal part of our lives to really expanding past what we like previously thought was even possible for us. So I would just love to hear a, a, a version of your story that really shares or highlights those pieces of the puzzle. Mm, yeah, a version is a great is a great way to put it because <laughs> because I just always say that more is always being revealed, right? So if you had asked me this question even a year ago, it would be different. You know, even six months ago, it'd be different because we're just constantly evolving. But I think for me, really. Um, and you want me to focus like on the, the pleasure on that kind of how that evolved in my life. Correct. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. And you know, I think that we all learn how to experience joy or how we are preventing ourselves <laughs> from experiencing joy rather. So anything that you can share on that too. Mm, yeah. So, you know, for me, just a little bit of a background to give the audience a little idea of how I was raised and how I grew up. I was raised in a um, home that, you know, we were raised Catholic and there was a lot of, um, you know, rules and regulations for everything. And not necessarily that, like, um, you know, my mom or my dad followed them because my dad was like, Lutheran. My mom was Catholic. It wasn't like we were like uber religious, but I just felt like my mom was trying to keep up this facade and like have these rules and regulations so that we were like, you know, good in the Lord's eyes type of thing. And that really pushed me away from faith. And I, and I want to preface this because what brings me a lot of joy today is having a really like juicy and um, beautiful relationship with someone that I choose to call God. Now, my definition of who God is, is vastly different than the way I grew up. And so, you know, growing up, it was, I was very fearful, you know, like if you don't do this, then you're not good in, you know, if you don't do this, you're not a good Catholic girl, or you're not a good girl, or you're not a, and so it just, I can think of myself as, you can tell me, go back to when you were nine, 12, 16, 18. And I can actually feel the fear just like start to seep into my being and like Mm -hmm. the, the tightness in my chest, the anxiety in my stomach of just like, am I good enough? Will people like me? Will I be accepted? And that when you're in those zones in your life, you really can't be in joy or pleasure at the same time as being in those fear-driven states. And so for me, it was just like um, an evolution of that fear. Now, I also think that I took a lot of the fear from my environment as well, because I'm very empathic as a person, which means if anyone in the audience doesn't really understand that, is that, you know, it's not like a woo-woo terminology. I guess it can be, but essentially I just feel a lot more on what's going on in my surroundings. And so my mom was a very fear-driven, worryful person, as well as a lot of people in my family. So I just took that on as though it were mine, identifying with these feelings as though, oh, these are mine, but really it wasn't, and it didn't make sense to me. And it wasn't until like my late 20s when I finally had this like spiritual awakening that I realized, 
oh, like life actually can be fun and there can be this relationship that I have with a higher power that's fun. It doesn't have to be stressful. And, you know, he is going to be able to be my partner, my running buddy, someone that has my back. Like, whew, I don't have to worry about, like, it was, like, exhausting carrying all this on my own, you know? Oh, it's like, girl, oh. I know. And, um, I mean, I used to, I'll never forget when I was in, like, fifth grade, so whatever age that is, I think 10 or something. Ten, yeah. We had to do reconciliation in church, and I was like, I'm not telling the things that I've done. You know, I'm not telling them <laughs> that I've been bad to, like, my sister or brother. Like, I was like, um, I, I stole a pack of gum. And then he was like, is that it? I was like, yes, that's it. You know, because I was just so scared that, like, if I did anything offline, you know, or, like, out of the box, that I was going to be this bad girl and deemed bad. And, therefore, it just reaped – Oh, I look back at my childhood, and the one thing I wish I could say to that young girl is, like, just have fun. Like, just relax, you know, enjoy your life. Yeah. But um, I just couldn't in the, you know, I, I look back, and I don't really think that I fully did because I was so fearful that I wouldn't be accepted or enough mm. or that I'd be this bad girl. Man, I can totally relate to that. I think anytime, like, we have these rules or expectations that are not our own, that yeah. we're constantly trying to measure up to, we'll, we're never going to be perfect enough in somebody else's eyes. And when we are putting that in relationship to God, God's worthiness, God's love, God's friendship even, mm. how will we ever be worthy of that? How will we ever be perfect enough? It doesn't give us any room to be human. Yeah. And what I hear in your story that's super powerful is that we cannot practice fear and faith at the same time and they're pretty much the opposite things. <laughs> and to be in faith is totally related to being in joy because when we're in faith, we're not worrying, we're not stressed out, we aren't fearful, and this opens up the opportunity for us to be in something different. And so to me, it's like sometimes when I'm talking about joy with people, it's kind of like, what does that even mean? And one of the easiest places to start is what's the opposite of joy for you? And for most people, it's like, well, being stressed out, <laughs> being scared, being worried. And so the answer to that a lot of times is to have more faith and trust. But it's really hard to do that when you don't have a relationship with something else to trust in or have faith in. Which is interesting because that's one of your tips for creating more joy. Mm -hmm. is to always lean into faith and God and trust that the universe has your back. So I would love, and, and this is great. This is something that's been life-changing for me, but a lot of us struggle here. And a lot of my life story has been a struggle here. So I would love to hear, you know, how you've reconciled your relationship with your own faith. I mean, I think that's so powerful. Yeah, I'd love to. I think it's, I have chills just thinking about it because I, you know, I was so anti-God, religion, all of that faith. Like, I was like, no, <laughs> there is no God. And like, you know, people that went to church, I was like, mm, whatever. You know, because I, I went for so many years, and I was, like, sitting there. I just remember, like, pulling out my stockings and stuff and just being like, I don't understand, like, who's the shepherd? Who's the, like, what's going on? Where are the sheep? Like, what are we talking about? Like, I just didn't get it. And I also think 
you know, on retrospect too, I think that nowadays, like between podcasts and the way in, in which sermons are held in any church is so much more relatable and like broken down into layman's terms, which is yeah. so cool totally. because it actually helps people. Because when you read the Bible at age nine, you're like, what, what is going on here? I don't know what's going on. Like, I know Jesus was a dude and now I have to eat bread because it's his body. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just very confusing. So, you know, so for me at a young age, um, like I said, I was raised Catholic. Um, and then I totally rebelled and went against it right after I think, um, I got my confirmation and essentially you get, you get to pick a name and that represents like you know, being birthed into the holy whatever, I guess. And then after that, I just really dropped off the radar religion wise. And mm -hmm. when the option was like, you don't have to go to church anymore. I was like, sweet, I'm out. I'm sleeping in on Sundays. <laughs> out of here. And um, I would say for a solid decade, I turned my back on God. Like I turned my back on my faith because God never turned his back on me. Like it's just like the sun. The sun comes up every single morning. It's always there. It's always shining. You can be the one that decides that you're going to lock yourself in your home and not participate in the sunlight, you know, and not mm -hmm. participate in the day occurring. And that's essentially what I did because, you know, I look back at events that happened in my life because I went definitely down a darker path and really played with my shadow side, which I think was very essential to me emerging into this stronger level of faith, which I now rely on for my joy. But um, God was there the whole time, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I look at moments where I'm like, I should be dead. You know, like there's things that have happened yeah. that he like carried me, saved me or whatever. And, um, but in those moments, I didn't believe I was very skeptical, very questioning. But I think that questioning is part of the process and, and whoever you decide, you know, for me, again, like I always say, for me, I've chosen God, but for the audience out there, it doesn't have to be God. It could be, you know, goddess. It could be divine source, universe. Just choosing something that you can rely on and have certainty so that you can cultivate a faith that says, okay, I have no idea how today is going to unfold. But what I do know is that all is always well, that someone always has my back and that someone can be your higher power, however you define it. I just choose to say God, because for me, it makes more sense to have in my finite mind, it makes more sense to have like a dude standing next to me that I'm like leaning on as opposed to the complexity of these energies and different things. And I'm sure it probably, you know, is. And for me, like when I reclaimed my faith, it was, um, an exciting kind of thing for me. I explored all different vast religions. I went to all different things like synagogues and, um, you know, Baptist churches and Catholic and Lutheran and, or, you know, like I just checked it all out. And I kind of swung back into this place where I would say if I related to anything, it's more of a paganistic type of spirituality where mm -hmm. I believe in like earth and mother earth and, you know, different signs from the universe. And so I do believe in God and that faith has cultivated me into really having more joy every day because everything that happens, I'm like, this is happening for me. So when I walk out and see 
um, you know, I, w I just was on a walk the other day, actually, and this is a great story. I was, I saw like clouds parting in the sky. It was like a really rainy day and I was just really happy. Um, I don't, I just got back from like a vacation with my partner and I'm like, life is amazing. I was just relishing in the gratitude and all of a sudden the clouds just started to part and like sun was coming through and I just chose to believe it was like God smiling on me and being like, Hey girl, like this is, this is what life's about, you know? And I was just like, as I was walking, I was like, oh my God, the clouds are parting. And then it just seemed like it was happening more and more and more. And that's the ripple effect that um, leaning into joy and, and your faith has on you because the more you cultivate it, the more you play with it, the more it just shows up in your life and the universe signals you or shows you signs like, I like to say they're God winks, you know, like God's mm -hmm. winking at you through, you know, you running into a best friend on the other side of the world in a coffee shop. That's not a coincidence. Those are synchronized events that God's orchestrating behind the scenes to, to remind you that there's actually a higher power involved in, in this world. And then that certainty in that higher power can support you in, on days when like shit's hitting the fan or things aren't going your way, you can say, you know what? I have no clue what's going on here, but I know based on all these other things that have happened as reference points that God has my back. So I can just chill out and really be in joy today and find what makes me happy. So like, I think that certainty of faith leaves space for you to then step into all right, I'm not going to worry about that. So then I have an opportunity to be enjoyed today. Man, girl, you and I, we must have been <laughs> like soul sisters walking very parallel fast for a very long time because I had a very similar journey with all this. And it's, it's so funny because I was seriously just having a client call about this topic in particular about, and you said it, you said the exact same words that I just said. There was a moment in time, well, let me first preface it by saying this. There were many years where I was convinced that life was happening to me. And because things weren't showing up in a way that was easy for me, I was really angry at God because my understanding of God was that if you do all of these things and you are going to be rewarded and maybe I hadn't done enough things yet, or maybe I was never going to be good enough to be rewarded. Right? So because God wasn't showing up in my life the way that I thought God was supposed to, I kept on blaming God <laughs> for not doing enough for me. Like he was supposed to be at my beck and call. And because he didn't show up that way, I was pissed. And so there was this, this time in my life where I kind of shunned God and I shunned anything that mentioned God, anything, nothing. And I was like, big old X, like not interested. The door is closed for communication. Keep on walking. Don't want to hear anything about it. But something happened when I did a lot of like my own, just a lot of like healing, right? Like transforming a lot of pain into love and looking at the way God's hand has been in my life the whole time, how God was working through me through some of these most painful life experiences to prepare me, to give me wisdom, to give me perspective, to give me appreciation. And it was like, oh my gosh, this whole time, everything's been happening for me, not to me. And this was a big monumental shift for cultivating a deeper relationship with God and faith. Because if you're looking at it through the lens of God never shows up for me, how is it 
How can you have faith in that? But when you see that God has always shown up for you in the most miraculous ways, it's like such a gift to be like, wow, how could I not have faith in that? So I totally understand like the whole life is happening for you, like how monumental and expansive that is of just being able to see the gratitude and seeing that no matter what happens in your life, maybe it feels like, oh, why is this happening? But when you have that faith saying, I know this is happening because Mm -hmm. God has something else in mind. Everything's already working out for my highest good, always in my favor. Always. And I, and I love that, Megan. And I love that you can relate to that because I think that so many people can, but we don't share this with each other because we don't want to be judged or that we fear that we're weird or whatever it is, you know, and and I have a partner currently, I live in New Zealand and I am from the United States. You don't hear an accent from New Zealand, of course, <laughs> I'm an American girl. And, um, you know, I met my partner halfway around the world when I was traveling. And right before that, I had a massive breakup that devastated me. Mm-hmm. I thought this guy was the one mm-hmm. and I was, I mean, I was devastated, but he was the one that told me when I was traveling, cause I was going to travel and then head back to him. He said I had to stop in New Zealand. He said it was so essential that, you know, the reason he listed all these reasons why it wasn't on my radar. And then we broke up. So the only reason I ended up in New Zealand is because I had that guy in my life. So I'm like, Whoa, like if that's not God orchestrating, the street, you know, like how, <laughs> So you wouldn't be with your partner that you have now, who I know that you're madly in love with because we've had conversations about this. (laughs) You would not have this guy in your life now had it not been for the guy that broke your heart. Exactly. It was like, you know, literally blew my mind when I look back at the dots connecting. And Steve Jobs said something on this speech, I think that he made to Stanford years ago when he was alive was like, don't worry about the dots connecting. Just go get busy making the dots, you know, like go get messy in your life, make the dots. And then when you look back, you'll be like, oh my God, look at all these dots connecting. And like, when I look back in retrospect of like just my year of traveling, because I also think that when we get out of our comfort zones and travel, it helps us to see God working because we're not in our, sometimes when we get stuck in our comfort zone, mm-hmm. we, and our routine, we block out, I call, I call it scheduling God out. So we schedule God out of our life. And so there's no magic for God to actually come in or the universe to come in and surprise you. So even if you can't, like for the people listening, if you can't go travel the world for a year, like I get it, but maybe doing something like maybe schedule an hour a day where there's nothing going on and you just go for a walk or whatever you feel inspired to do and just leave room for magic. Like I leave little gaps in my schedule that it's like magic time. And I'm just like, okay, like I'm just, maybe I'll go get a coffee. Maybe I'll just lay on the floor, like whatever. But you know, I just like leave that space for God to come in. And that's what happened. You know, when I was traveling, he was just like, showing up in all these people and something I also want to share Megan with your audience is that like this topic's so juicy and I'm sure we could keep going. Um, and I know we have other things to talk about, but I 
recently had this epiphany that like, oh my God, God has a team of angels on earth and in heaven or in the ethereal world, have you, that are just assigned to me. Like Megan has her team, Melaine has her team. And these people are connecting us with other people. These people are protecting us, supporting us, um, taking our worries away from us. Like they have specific jobs. Like one person is the gossip and they share behind your back with all these other people about how wonderful you are. And so that way, those coincidences of you getting a job is actually not. It's the team working behind the scenes. And I had this like meditation where it came through that this was it. And I'm like, oh yeah. And then I read a book, uh, Light is a New Black by Rebecca Campbell. Yeah, I have that. Right? And she said the same thing. And I was like, yes. And then two days later, I'm listening to a podcast with Joel Osteen, who I love. And he was talking about the team of angels that you have. And I'm like, Oh my God. So (laughs) I was like, this is key. So also know that like when you choose faith, you're also choosing a team of people to support you. So like, you don't have to do it alone. Like you're always with not just your higher power, but like a team of people that have been assigned to you. And they're just like, chilling filing their nails until you're like oh yeah I acknowledge you and then they're like okay we're ready like what do you want us to do yes and I would also say like choosing faith is really like choosing to see miracles happen in your life that you cannot explain like beyond there being some sort of divine intervention going on and I'm so glad that you mentioned like creating space because that's that's actually like I just created this freebie for everybody it's called the simple soulful shift that talks about how you leave space in your life for, for magic and to be with yourself, to commune with your soul, to be with God, to use that time for whatever you want it to be. But I think oftentimes we just overschedule ourselves, overschedule ourselves, which is very ego driven. And, you know, for me, ego is edging God out. So again, like I totally understand like the whole thing about, you know, how we push God out or how we schedule God out. It's so true. So I'm glad that you used that tool, which isn't even one of your tips, but it's another freebie for the episode. It's another Thank freebie. You. You're welcome. <laughs> so I really want to talk about this, this other tip because I think it's incredibly important. Um, you talk about never taking anything personal. It's not about you. And when you make it about you, you miss the point. This, oh my gosh. When I started implementing this in my life, Wow. Talk about being like so much more cool, calm, collected at ease. Like, because before I was always worried of like, oh my gosh, am I going to make somebody mad? Is am I going to piss somebody off? Is so-and-so not like me? And it's like, my mind is always go, 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 go. And this tool has been so powerful for inner peace. So I can't wait to hear your perspective on this one. Yeah. Thanks, Megan. I think it's, um, it's taken me a really long time to get to a place where to not take anything personal and still at the age of 33, which I know is young and I'm happy to be, but, um, I'm still working on it. It's still a work in progress. Right. So when these things come up and when a trigger comes up and I start to take something personal, the only difference between me and now the 12 year old girl is that I look at it as a blessing and an opportunity to heal something deeper or 
to um, have compassion on myself, you know, and to say, mm -hmm. okay, honey, like what's going on here? What are you scared about? Right. And so, um, and then to, to release it and not take it personal, you know, cause when I start to take things personal, I am missing the point because the reason that we're all here, if it was all about Malayne, then I would be on earth alone on this journey, but I'm not, there's, you know, 700 billion people or whatever on earth. And so there's, it's all about relationship and connection. So mm -hmm. no one's out there to like wrong us or to hurt us. Everyone's just trying to do the best they can with their own map that they've been given. And there's no guide of like how to be friends with someone or how to be in partnership with someone. And so it's like what they're doing is just projecting the map that they've been given onto you and you to them. And then there's this, this cross wiring and we're like, Oh my God, how could you do this to me? And then, <laughs> you know, and it's like, but no one's trying to do anything to anyone. And so I think when it comes to not taking it personal, it's just like when you've received something that has hurt you and you're, you feel that you're starting to take it personal, like a personal attack on you just take a step back. Like, just like we were talking about creating space for God, create space between you and that person for a second so that your truth can come up and like sit with it for just a moment before you immediately respond or attack or judge or anything comes up. Just take a step back and say, okay, like, why am I upset? What's going on here? What is it that I need in this moment? What do I want to say to this person? And then before saying it, I always say, like, really check in with your motives. Like, why do you need to say it? Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by you? Does it need to be said right now? Mm -hmm. So good. You know? Like it. <laughs> no, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about with God is that when we're looking through the lens of personalization, we're always looking at what somebody else is doing to us. Mm -hmm. So it's this, like, we create this motive for this person's action that is to like hurt us, destroy us, make us feel unimportant, make us feel whatever it is that we're feeling. And it's like, no, because the reality is, and this is going to sound a little harsh. None of us are that important. We all think that we're like the center of the world and that everyone is like either, you know, is thinking about, well, how is this going to, Oh, I'm going to get her good. And it's like, Nobody's thinking that. Everyone is thinking about themselves. I can promise you for the most part. <laughs> it's so true, Megan. You know, it's funny. Uh, I love telling stories to relate to with my clients a lot of times too, to help them understand how to apply these concepts into their life or how these concepts do apply. And when it comes to let's this in particular, never taking anything personal and something that I always thought like, when people were laughing, that they were laughing at me, you know? Mm -hmm. And even I still do it today. Like, I have to be really careful. Like, my partner's brother comes over every now and then to visit us. And, like, when the two brothers are, like, laughing and having a good time and I'm not involved in the conversation, I'm like, oh, are they laughing at me? You know, like, immediately I'm like, oh, it must be about me because the world revolves around me, you know? <laughs> and I have to take a step back and be like, they're just having fun. Like, I literally will say to myself, they're just having fun. It's not about you, Melaine. And in those moments that I'm worried about, are they talking about me? I'm certainly not able to create space for joy. You know, I'm certainly not sitting in a space of 
you know, fun or pleasure. I'm sitting in worry. And again, like we said earlier, you cannot be in, in fear and fear-based thoughts include worry, doubt, you know, mm-hmm. um, insecurities and things of that nature. You cannot be in fear and be in faith and faith includes being in joy and pleasure. Yeah. And you know, when you're taking something personal and, and it usually isn't, you know, another funny one is like, I, um, I used to go to the, this gym in the States called Equinox and they had classes and I signed up in Equinox because I heard they had amazing yoga classes. Mm-hmm. And yet I never showed up to the yoga classes for a really long time <laughs> because I thought that everyone was watching me and that I wasn't good enough. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't a good enough yoga yogi or whatever. And so I took like, when the, when the teacher would say something, I'd be like, oh, he's talking about me. Or like, if the girls were laughing, I'd be like, oh, it's about, and that was stealing my, jo- like literally robbing me of the serenity, joy, and pleasure that I got from yoga. Oh my God. I mean, there's, there's two things that come up for me. So the first is when, when we're in this situation where we think that other people are talking about us, one of the best gifts I've given myself is it's not my responsibility to get them to tell me how they feel about me. If they're upset with me, that's their responsibility to share that with me. So the minute I gave them permission to own their own feelings instead of me trying to control the situation or me worrying about the situation, wow, so much freedom. Because I would worry myself to death. Like if somebody was talking about me, if somebody was upset about me, it's like, you know, we hear this, this phrase of like, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. <laughs> and I think that if you can really rest in that, say if, if there's an issue, if somebody really does have like a bone to pick with you, then they will come and share that with you. And if they don't, then they're, they have their own reasons for that. It's, it might not be that important to them, whatever it is. But that's one way I've kind of like been able to release some of those thoughts as they're coming up. And then the other thing about personalization that I don't think that a lot of us talk about all the time is that there's this other side of it. When we take other people's feelings as our personal responsibility to fix Mm. and that, whoa, whoa, we get into codependent territory. We put on our plate, other people's happiness and well-being, and you, that's a rock that is so heavy to lift off if you continuously make yourself responsible for how somebody else feels. And that's another way that we personalize things without really thinking of it as personalization. So I think, I mean, just talking about not taking anything personal, not making anything personal, life shift, major. It's so huge. I th- yeah, I, I, I use that saying a lot too, Megan, like what other people think of me is no longer my business. And the other thing that my, one of my best friends and I always say is that we're not in the people management business anymore. So it means that when I would get in a fight with someone, what I'd immediately want to do is call everyone else up to see if they liked me or that other person better yeah. to manage everyone's feelings, to manage the situation, to have, then it made me feel like I had a sense of control over this situation, which essentially was just bothering me. I didn't want to have someone be mad at me, you know? Right. And, and that really, when you release that weight and that's total codependence and, and all a mix of other things too. 
But when you release that weight of just like, it's not personal. I just had recently, um, which was really hard for me. I had a, a friend of mine who she and I decided to kind of part ways and no longer be friends. And it was, mm. you know, over different things and just not seeing, we're just not on the same page anymore that we used to be. And it's okay. Like it really hurt me. But what I realized is that it was not personal at all. It was her own stuff that she needs to go through yeah. and she needs to do it on her own. You know, like she needs to walk through some really deep, dark stuff that's getting kicked up for her when I'm around mm-hmm. and she can't handle me being around in this moment because I kick it up for her and it's too intense, you know? So I mean, nothing just me. the gift that that gives you for any kind of breakup. And I, I personally think like friendship breakups are oftentimes even harder than romantic breakups, yes. but it's so common for us. Like when we do have a breakup in our lives, we're like, what is it that I wasn't doing or doing too much of? Like that's usually the first go-to, but what is it about me that wasn't good enough to stay in a relationship with that person? When it's not like a relationship is not that simple. There are so many complex layers. You got your stuff. They got their stuff. They, you got life experience stuff. It can never only be just because of you ever. And I think it's such a big permission to give ourselves. Like it's not our 100% responsibility for a relationship not working out. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. So (laughs) the last one. Yes. Constantly ask the question, will this empower me and bring me joy? Mm. Mm. I love this one. And I'm so glad we ended with it, Megan, because I think that asking ourselves reflective questions are, it's such an important tool to check in because we each have our own inner GPS system. So we are never going to get the answer outside of us. Now, Of course, I make my living by helping people find the answer, but I'm helping them tap into their inner GPS system, right? And and I think that we shouldn't look for these answers externally, right? When we look within us, we realize, oh my God, I had the answer all along. All I need to do is just pause as we've been talking about this whole, um, you know, time together is creating that space to allow the answer to come up. And so just like taking time out of your day and asking yourself, Hey, you know, are the things that I'm doing right now in this moment, are they in alignment? Are they empowering me? Are they bringing me joy? Like, do I want to be here? Do I want to do this? I'm constantly checking in with myself in all my relationships, in my business, in all, like I'll, I'll sit with each of the programs that I offer or retreats that I run and I'll be, does this bring me joy? Why am I doing this? What is it empowering me? Is it taking away from my life? Is it enhancing my life? Just these reflective questions. And the other cool thing is if you want to get the ego off your back, the ego is masculine and it loves to do tasks. So if you give it a task here and literally say, here ego is a task for you. Find everything today that has empowered me or brought me joy. And it'll go and start rattling off in the back like, this brought you joy and that brought you joy. And now the ego is actually doing something that's supporting your life as opposed to like steering you away or taking away from your life. And so it's just about asking those reflective, obviously I gave two specific questions, but asking the correct questions because your brain and your ego are going to answer. So instead of saying, 
uh, why am I so fat? And then your brain and your ego will be, well, because your jeans don't fit and you eat <laughs> sandwich this morning and you worked out in a while. You've you know, been so lazy. Look at you. Yeah, so lazy. <laughs> Look at you. You don't change. You do it. You're in your pajamas. So like, it will just like go off or you can ask the question, why am I amazing? Why, what have I done today? That's empowering me. What have I done today? That's brought me joy and ego and your mind are going to start to attach to things that they identify with that have brought you joy or empowered you. And then you can start seeing what's showing up that, Oh my God. Like for me, bike riding gives me so much joy. I'm like cheesing the whole way. I'm like, I love my life, you know, <laughs> crazy. It's really insane. I'm like, oh my God, I love biking. And I'm like going up a mountain and it hurts and I'm sweating. And I'm like, I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm like, this is amazing. I'm so in, like, I'm literally in joy. So when I ask myself the question, what has brought you joy today? And I hear oh, bike riding brought you joy. Oh my God. Having that coffee in bed brought you joy. Then I know tomorrow I'm going to want a bike ride. And I'm also going to want to have coffee in bed because if the things that bring me joy, I've just identified with, I'm going to want to repeat them as often as possible. Okay. So for all, everyone that's listening right now, this is super, super important. When I start working with clients around what makes you happy, mm. what brings you joy, for most of us, we are so disconnected from what those answers are. We're so quicker to say, I know it doesn't bring me joy. I know what I don't like. Mm -hmm. So to be able to identify the things that do bring you pleasure, that do bring you joy, that do light you up, it is completely life-changing because once you have that awareness, now you can choose to engage in those things more often. You can bring more of them into your life. And I would say the power of this question even, when you were in a period of like self-doubt, uh, those voices of not enough are coming up strong. And I mean, we all have those moments mm. to ask yourself, what joy is this bringing me? What joy can be gained from this? Because I can promise you every single trial and tribulation you go through, there is a gift in that. And maybe that point of reflection of not enough, the joy in that is it showing how far you've come. If you can flip it. If you, can, if you can reframe the, the, the feelings that you're having right now, or here's an example. I was on the phone call with a marketing company the other day, and we we're talking about, you know, I'm writing this book, Wild and Holy, and we're talking about publicity and getting the message out to people and all this stuff. And they're like, well, tell me, you know, what's your business message? And I was sharing my story, and they're like, yeah, we don't really think that's strong enough for, for media attention. You're going to have to do some work around that. And how do you feel about taking on this niche? And I was like, excuse me. And it was like, I got off the call and I was totally defeated, kind of feeling deflated. And I'm like, man, like they basically told me I'm not good enough, right? And I'm like, the nerve, the nerve of these people. They're trying to get my business and tell me and I got some work to do. My ego's totally kicked up and like, I was feeling so good about everything that I'm creating and here I am. And I sat with it for a minute and I was like, but what could be gained from this? And what was interesting is that the, the suggestions they gave me were things that I had already thought about in my business. They're actually the next step of my business. It's just, it's not to that evolution yet. And so it's mm -hmm. like, maybe they're not so far off after all. And so it was actually affirmation that I was on the right track. So it was interesting because it took those kind of defeated and that resistance coming up and the ego is like, bah! you know, how dare you? <laughs> it's all me like this. Mm -hmm. But it was really affirming of like, 
But what they're telling you is that there's this whole other piece of your work that you're really, really good at that you aren't even marketing yet. What a gift is that? So asking myself, what joy could this give me was a total game changer. And I think regardless of where you are, if it's increasing your clarity around what brings you joy and pleasure, which is completely life-changing in how you orient your life and experience your life, or you use that question when you're in the midst of like feeling defeated and deflated and those voices of not enough, like, well, what is there to gain? Yeah. It's so powerful. I mean, these tips are like, girl, I'm like loving them. I'm just like, can we just talk about this all day? <laughs> I know, me too. I was like, wow, these are really good, Malayne. Where'd you get these? Oh, and just so you guys know, when we first scheduled this interview, I was like, hey, send me over three tips for creating joy in life, work, and love. We'll talk about them on the podcast. She sent them over in like five minutes. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> She's like, okay, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think it's easy, you know, to identify when you just are clear with, the only reason I know what brings me joy is because I had to go through trials and tribulations and different things that didn't bring me joy, you know? And it was all, I always say that we're the archaeologists in our life. We're uncovering and discovering that works, that doesn't. That works, that doesn't. And also never making anyone wrong for what works for you isn't going to work for someone else. And that's okay. It doesn't make you bad or wrong or them bad or wrong. It just makes us all different. And, um, yeah. And I, I want to hit on something that you said that I think is really important and it was super easy for us to just bypass it, but it's, Oh, it's a good nugget. When you're talking about your bike ride, you're talking about, I was in joy. So there's this whole presence, present component to experiencing joy in your life. And presence is an experience. It's in your body. And so we can't, we can't think about joy and figure out, we can't plan out. We can't go through like all these like list building activities of like what brings you joy and like listening to like experiencing it is one of the quickest ways because your body knows. Your body knows if it feels good or if it doesn't. And even when you were going up that hill and it's soft and it was hard and your legs were burning and your breath was probably shallow and you're like, oh my God, this sucks. Ah. <laughs> your body was still like, but I like it. Mm -hmm. So, and your body's always going to tell you the truth. It mm. always tells you the truth. And so to be present in your body is another really key component, I think, for learning how to be in joy and what joy actually feels like. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I hit that because that was a really important piece of your story mm. with the bike ride. The nugget, I think that that's really important to, to also state. And it's funny because you cut when I first sent over those things to you, Megan, and then I forgot that I sent them and I wrote a new list of like <laughs> other things that, you know, helps. And one of them was about moving your body in a playful way. And I, mm. I always say to my clients, like, I can't think my way out of a paper bag. I need to act my way out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you're in a state of non-joy, whatever that looks like, frustration, anger, the quickest way out of it is to move, is to yeah. get your body dancing, walking, playing, running, biking. It, your body knows. You're right. Your body has an intelligence that can support you into shifting that energy into something that feels joyful. Oh, I love it. This conversation, I've loved every single moment of it. So I'm just going to say a big old thank you, Melaine, for joining me and sharing your expertise, but more so 
really sharing your heart and like your personal journey because it's so powerful to share something, especially like our walk with God and, and learning to cultivate our own sense of faith. Like we don't really get to hear this all the time. And it's such an integral part to who we are and how we view the world, just our worldview. And man, it was such a gift for you to share that. So thank you. My pleasure, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for creating this space for so many people. Mm. It's my pleasure. It is. So so many. So thank you. Of course. (laughs) So you guys, super, super important. Melaine's contact and all of her goodies that are going on in her business right now are in the show notes. So I know that if you're my people, that you are totally crushing on Melaine right now because I am. So go and connect with her. Check out what she has going on in her life and her business, how you can support her, work with her, um, be part of her circle. I think she's fabulous and she's a wonderful mentor and a great girl to have who's going to have your back. So you guys, we will see you again for a Motivational Monday in just a couple of days. Have an awesome weekend. Bye. Bye.